Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. It is such a joy to open the Word of God. And here in the evening service over the last weeks, uh, and lots of you in your small groups have been reading through the book of Exodus. We've seen God call Moses to lead his people, to help him respond to the cries of the people for freedom from their slavery in Egypt. We've seen God show to Pharaoh his power and his might and rescue the people out of Pharaoh's grasp. We've seen God do amazing miracles and show his power in signs and wonders. We've seen the Red Sea part and the people of Israel walk through. We've seen the way God made a covenant with his people calling them to obedience and promising his faithfulness, his provision, and his presence. That presence which we celebrate, that presence of God that that we spent so much time in last week and are able week by week to come into the presence of God. God longs for his people to experience his presence. And that presence is so key in Exodus. There's a challenge for the Israelites and there's a challenge for God, for, for God is holy. He is holy and the Israelites mess up. So how can they draw near to this holy God? Now, as you've been reading through Exodus, often you read the stories and they're exciting and you remember them and you can picture them and they excite. And maybe if you're artistic and you can kind of draw them. And then we get to seven chapters of details about a tent. And it's at that point that sometimes people are like, what? Seven chapters of details about a tent. Why? Why? Well, you know, God is telling Moses, who is up the mountain, meeting with God. Okay, so this is where we are. Um, They've received uh, the Ten Commandments. Moses has been talking to them. And they are now, the people camped at the bottom of Mount Sinai in the desert. And Moses has gone up Mount Sinai and is talking with God. And God wants to provide for the people a way in which they can draw near and know his presence, his holy presence. And so he describes to Moses how he wants this tent of meeting, this tabernacle to be constructed. And because it's going to be so special, and because it's going to be the holy place where God's presence is, it's important to get it right. And so these details are important. And you know, as you read through those seven chapters, what's amazing is that the words the Lord said to Moses are spoken seven times. And the seventh time it's spoken, it's about the Sabbath. 
You see, there are echoes in these chapters of the first creation. When God created the world and it was good. And God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And so in this construction of the tabernacle, there are lots of echoes of creation in beauty and color and fruits. In that call to have a Sabbath on the seventh day. And so we have Moses receiving these instructions. But these instructions take quite a long time to give. Moses is up there for quite a long time. And while he's up there, the people get fed up of waiting. And then we get this story of the golden calf. And to be honest, it can seem a bit ludicrous. There they are, the people of Israel. They have just witnessed God do these amazing things. And then they get a bit fed up and think, Make us our own God, please, Aaron. And so Aaron says, okay, give me all your gold. So they take off their earrings and their jewelry and probably some of the gold that they've taken with them from Egypt. And they give it to Aaron and he puts it into the fire and it says he casts this golden calf. Do you know, it becomes even more ludicrous when Moses confronts Aaron about this because Uh, later in the chapter that we didn't read because Aaron says, well, actually what happened, Moses, was that I took their gold off them and I put it in the fire and out came a calf. I always think that's one of the funniest sentences. Out came a calf of this. You know, it just came out. It seems crazy. And then what they do is they have this statue in gold and they declare, this is our God now. We will worship and Aaron declares a festival, and so they do a festival, which involves eating and drinking, and then it says standing up uh, to engage in revelry, which is kind of Hebrew euphemism for it didn't get up to good stuff. Do you know what? We can look at those Israelites and think, what are you doing? And what does God think? God's anger burns. He can hear the chaos in the camp. And he says to Moses, that is not a good noise, for this is what's going on. These people who have just witnessed God dividing the Red Sea, providing water and food for them. These people who have just been commanded to love the Lord their God, to not make any false images of him, to be faithful to him only and have no other gods beside him, how easily they've forgotten. How crazy. And I find myself just looking at the Israelites saying, what? If all of those things has happened to me, Or would I? I'd love us to reflect on just four suggestions, four reasons that maybe led the Israelites into their actions. 
first one, impatience. Impatience. It's not easy to wait. It is not easy to wait. In our house with a six-year-old, we talk a lot about waiting. Waiting is not easy. But I'm not good at it either. And you know, the Israelites had known that Moses went up into the mountain and he has been gone a long time and they don't know when he's coming back. And he doesn't have a mobile phone. So he's not able to keep in contact with them and say, right guys, God is telling me some amazing stuff. You should hear about this tabernacle. I've got the instructions for the first part. I'm just waiting for the second part. I'll be down soon. They don't get any of that. They have no idea what is happening. They've waved him goodbye. They've seen the cloud descend on the mountain. They know he's talking with God, but but for all they know, it might be another two months, three months. And they're in the desert. What are they meant to do? It's hard to wait. They've been told to wait, but it's hard. Impatience. Secondly, comparison. They've spent time in Egypt and seen the numerous gods that the Egyptians had to be able to call on for this and this and in this situation and this situation. They're surrounded now by other nations that all have their own gods to call upon. And yet here they are in the desert. Yes, they have a story, but but what else do they have to show? And they look around them and think, well, maybe it's better for them over there. And maybe it's better for them. And we'd like to be like them and have a God to show others that can be seen. Impatience. Comparison. Thirdly, they kind of wanted something tangible. It's hard when you're being asked to worship and and they're kind of, what do we fix our attention on? What do we fix our attention on? And they don't necessarily think that this piece of gold was what brought them out of Egypt, but it represents a God who did it and the God had told them not to make an image. But they're clinging to something because it's hard faith when you cannot see. And so fourthly, they settle for less. They settle for less. All this time, the irony is that the God of all creation is talking with Moses, preparing for them this amazing provision of the tabernacle where his presence would dwell and they would be with him. They would be able to be with her. A lifetime of provision, a lifetime of knowing his presence, journeying with them. That's why it was a tent, so they could take the tent with them wherever they went. But they get fed up waiting. They get fed up of not having a God like the others around them, and so they create this God. And then they set up this festival, which is how they want it, in their control. 
Something that they can say, this is what we want to happen. Impatience. Comparison. Something tangible. Settling for less. And somehow, as I reflect on those four things, my incredulity at the Israelites begins to lessen. And I find myself looking back at myself. How often do I let those things creep in, in my worship of God? When we're waiting for the presence of God, do I get impatient? You know, sometimes we spend a minute, two minutes waiting, and we can kind of expect to kind of sense something straight away. It's okay. And you know what? God is, God is outside time. And it's not about how much time we spend waiting. Sometimes God, we just sense him there straight away, but sometimes we need to persevere and wait. Sometimes we can get so impatient. I've been praying about this issue and this issue and it's not happening, so I'm going to give up. I've been waiting to hear God speak on this and it's not happening, so I'm going to give up. How often our impatient builds up? How would I be after 40 days in the desert? Do I patiently wait in the times when it feels like I'm in a desert place and it's hard to hear God? When I'm worshiping, how easily do I let comparison creep in? That person over there seems to be having an amazing time with God. I want to be like them. It feels like that that person over there shared this amazing experience. I want that experience over there. And we begin to look around us instead of keeping our attention on the living God. Sometimes we can long for something tangible. I want to to hold on to something. And we can seek an experience or a feeling. And you know, the Holy Spirit and his amazingness, sometimes we do get manifestations of the Spirit and sometimes we might cry or a a sensation, but, but often not. And the danger is that we can seek after the experience instead of the God whose presence we're called into. can be challenging waiting for God. And so too often we can settle for less. We give our attention to that which is immediately available, to scrolling through our favorite social media platform, filling the silence, giving our attention to that certificate we're working towards, or that material thing that we want that latest iPhone or that gadget or that relationship with, a, with another human being that, that maybe we, we're in or that we long to have. And it takes our attention and we give it our time and our energy and our worship. How easily do I let other things that are so much less than the living God, the creator God, who is calling for my faithfulness, creep in and distract me from worshiping the one 
who is preparing good things for us. Up on the mountain, God is speaking with Moses and he is angry. He has done so much for these people and they are worshiping a statue of gold. He's made a covenant with them, asking for their obedience and they promised it and so quickly have they broken it. God is minded to leave them. And Moses, Moses intercedes. Moses steps up and says, God, God, I am pleading with you. Have mercy on these people. Don't let the other nations say you've brought them out for nothing. And Moses pleads on their behalf. Moses comes down from the mountain and his anger at all that is going on comes across and there are consequences of sin. Moses smashes the tablets of stone that have the commandments written on them and then there is death and there is plague in the camp. There are consequences. It is heartbreaking for all this time God had been giving the instructions for the tabernacle, for he had made a promise in Exodus 25, I will dwell with them. I will dwell with them. Moses goes back up the mountain and intercedes and says to God, you know, God, I will take me, block me out of your word, but stay faithful to these people. And God hears Moses. God hears Moses. And Moses then goes on to seek God's presence. How often do I want to point the finger and laugh at those who built a golden calf? And yet as I reflect on it, how often do I build golden calves and settle for less? But the amazing thing for you and I is that in a moment we will celebrate with bread and wine the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, is the one interceding for us. He is the one who unlike Moses, who was fallible and sinned, Jesus, the perfect son of God, intercedes for us. And who lived and died and rose again so that we can enter into the presence of God. And not, not simply in a tabernacle that's been built or a temple, no, we can know the Spirit of God here tonight in this place, in us, through Christ. In John chapter 1, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He tabernacled among us. How often have I, like those Israelites, got impatient and let things get in the way of worshiping the one true God and experiencing his presence 
in all of its glory and majesty. His presence that brings healing and wholeness and joy and peace. And sometimes, sometimes we have to wait for a long time. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And because of Jesus, we know that he's there with us now in the desert places and in the joys. Thank you for listening to the St. George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.